John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. You will want to read this gospel passage from the Bible before you continue with the message. Pause the recording now so you can do that. Welcome back. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the Gospel of St. John, the 20th chapter, and serves as the basis of our theme for the second Sunday of Easter. Terrified? Christ comes in peace. On this first day of the week, after Jesus' death on the cross, the disciples are hiding in fear of the Judeans. These are pretty specific Jews, as we translate it a little too loosely. While all the disciples are Jews, only one is a Judean, Judas Iscariot, or better rendered, Judas from the town of Kiriath, just south of Jerusalem in Judea. So here they sit in fear of yet more repercussions of even more Judeans who may follow Judas' lead and continue the betrayal of Jesus on them as well. Ironically enough, another fear is coming, even greater than their fear of the Judeans. This fear is of a source more powerful than the Judeans, the Herodians, and even the mighty Romans. This fear is of God. But Jesus comes, not to terrify them. Rather, he comes in peace. Now, the words of Jesus are extremely important in the appearance of God in the flesh before his disciples on such a precipitous day. None of the disciples were there for Jesus when he needed them the most. And I think it's really important to understand that for their state of mind when they see Jesus for the first time after his death. So when Jesus says in so many words, I come in peace, this was the comfort the disciples needed the most upon seeing their Lord alive after he was undeniably dead. The very real possibility of Jesus' vengeance and righteous judgment is the most expected reason for their initial fear. I think that's important for us as Christians today to understand. If we took an honest look at our lives, and how we lead them for Christ, we might be just as fearful as his disciples were the first time they saw him alive. And don't get me wrong. Everyone within the sound of my voice wants to be and tries to be there for Jesus every chance we get, especially in the most difficult of times. But so many times and in so many ways, we find ourselves regularly failing him. We don't share the gospel when we can. We don't have the courage to stand up for the truth of Jesus as we should. We don't support the poor as much as we can. And sometimes we don't even go where he promises to be with us in word and sacrament. 
If we all took a long, honest inventory of our lives, we might not be so judgmental of the fearful disciples on that first day of the week all those years ago. We would probably be terrified as well if Jesus showed up right now. So, when Jesus says in so many words, I come in peace, this is our comfort as well. And the comforting words to his beloved disciples. Because we all know exactly what we did and what we did not do for our Lord Jesus. Now, to be sure, Jesus was not there just to comfort them. He didn't say, okay, boys, everybody feel better? I think I'll mosey on back up to heaven. We're all good, right? No. He was there with real purpose, and that purpose was not a wellness check, so to speak. The purpose was to absolutely confirm, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he was indeed physically risen from the dead. Death was not the end, and that means he conquered death. This is critical to our motivation as Christians to this very day. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We don't worship a gravestone or a memorial block of marble. Oh, many famous movie stars, writers of note, political leaders, and religious figures in history have their places for us to venerate because their bodies lie in the ground. But no matter how expansive their religion was, no matter what they achieved as heads of state, no matter our favorite books they gave for our Kindles, or movies to watch on Netflix for our entertainment in perpetuity, they are all just dead. And they're still there for us to stand by the graves anytime we want to. But not so our Lord. He is alive. And not just alive for living's sake. Rather, on a mission to make sure we live eternally as well. That is the penultimate reason for coming to the disciples. And the penultimate reason he comes to us as well. First, he wanted us to know that all of our sins are forgiven. And now we can live eternally in him. Our iniquities can no longer keep us from living in, with, or for him. The shame of our regrets dim in the light of his presence in our lives. Satan can no longer accuse us because Jesus took those accusations all the way to the cross and let them die there with him. Not only Jesus lives, we live too. But then Jesus came to commission his disciples to get this truth out to the world by the power and work of his Holy Spirit. They and we were and are commissioned to go into the world to forgive the sins that continue to separate people from God. His mission is now our mission to let the entire world know they are forgiven 
as well. Christ removes that barrier Satan planted so effectively in our hearts to keep us hiding in the gardens of our own immoral bedding. In order to cover our nakedness and shame with the devil's excuses for bad behavior, believing his reasonable explanations for sinful accommodation, and championing the devil's justification for rebelling against God. We are changed by the power of God through the working of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his will and glorify our risen Lord for the sake of the whole world's salvation in him. Our risen Jesus means we no longer have to manifest unbelief, but can live in faith that Jesus has done exactly what we needed him to, to save everyone who believes he died for them. To be sure, this may seem too good to be true, but that is the world talking, not God. Now, we have all heard the saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That is certainly good advice for can't-lose junk bond investing, or timeshare condos, or used cars on a seedy lot. Indeed, in those cases, what sounds too good to be true probably is. Not so with God. For he is the ultimate good perpetuated on an evil world that needed cleansing from its corrupt exploitation. And that's just what the blood of Christ did. Rod Rosenblatt told the story many times of an incident in his life that we would all find a little too good to be true. And yet, it is actually factual. The account goes like this. When Rod was 16 years old, he'd been driving his father's car, and like most 16-year-old boys have done, he wrecked it. The only problem was, Rod had been drinking, and in fact, he and his friends were all drunk. After the accident, Rod called his dad, and the first thing his dad asked him was, are you all right? Rod assured him that he was fine. Then he confessed to his father that he was drunk. Rod was naturally terrified about how his father might respond. Later that night, after Rod had made it home, he wept and wept in his father's study. He was embarrassed, ashamed, and guilty. At the end of the ordeal, his father asked him this question. How about tomorrow? We go and get you a new car. Rod now says, and he's lived a lot of life, being in his 70s now, that he became a Christian in that moment. God's grace became real to him in that moment of forgiveness and mercy. Rod 
has since spent over 30 years of his life as a spokesman for Grace, teaching generations of students at Concordia University in Southern California and as a co-host on both the White Horse Inn, a nationally syndicated radio show, and the Thinking Fellows podcast. The grace that Rod's father showed him didn't turn Rod into a drunk. It made him love both God and his father more. Now let me ask you, what would you like to say to Rod's dad? Rod says that every time he tells this story in public, there are always people in the audience who get angry. They say, your dad let you get away with that? He didn't punish you at all? What a great opportunity for your dad to teach you responsibility. Rod always chuckles when he hears that response and says, Do you think I didn't know what I had done? Do you think it wasn't the most painful moment in my whole life up to that point? I was ashamed. I was scared. My father spoke grace to me in a moment when I knew I deserved wrath. And I came alive. Have you been or are you in terror of God's wrath because of your past indiscretions? Are you weeping at the very thought of how you have utterly failed Jesus time and time again? In the midst of your manifest disbelief in God's capacity to forgive is the very moment Christ enters the room and gently calls out, I come in peace. And so he does, to forgive you, to strengthen you, and to show you how much he loves you. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen. <laughs>